Good day, everybody. This is Pastor Hicks with your Sunday recap. Before we get started, I wanted to thank um, all those who've been tuning in to the podcast. Um, your support is greatly appreciated. I thank God for each and every one of you um, for your consistency, for your taking a chance, taking a shot um, at listening. And I pray that it's been a blessing to all of you. Thank you for your checking in, whether it's on Amazon, whether it's with an iPhone, um, Spotify, um, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so very much. I am the pastor of the Christian Street Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And if you would want to come out and visit and experience God with us, um, we are at 6104 Germantown Avenue, 6104 Germantown Avenue. We have our worship experience every Sunday at 1115. Again, 6104 Germantown Avenue. Have our worship experience every Sunday at 1115. Um, and this will be a way to hear the Sunday recap before the Sunday recap. But we're starting a sermon series as we're changing over um, from summer to fall. We're moving into almost a harvest mindset. We're moving into a new series called A Season of Change. Again, this next, these next recaps will be under that umbrella of A Season of Change. And this recap is coming from Joshua, the third chapter, uh, verses 1 through 17. Again, Joshua, the third chapter, verses 1 through 17. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation of the Scriptures. It reads as follows, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Achaia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonder will do great wonders among you. In the morning Joshua said to the priest, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant, and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua today, I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to, the, to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Side note, that's a whole lot of people to drive out. Verse 11, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. 
It was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest, who were carrying the ark, touched the waters, the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathon. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed. As the people passed by, they waited until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Again, the title is We're Crossing Over. That was more text than I normally read, but I felt it set the stage for where we're going to go for our time together. The first part of our, our time um, coming off the title We're Crossing Over is called We're Crossing Over Together. Again, we're crossing over together. Um, this is the third chapter of Joshua, a book that is the embodiment of the movement of the people of God from where they were to where they were called to go. This book is after the wilderness. This book is after the Red Sea. This book is after the Ten Commandments. This book is after the decisions to not trust God and build false idols, after the decision to fuss with God, even after the seed of liberation has been planted and acted out. This is after the 40-year weeding out process of the old administration. We're crossing over now, and we're doing it together. Joshua in chapter 1 has given this leadership mantra, be strong and courageous, stay in the word, and God will keep you. I have this land for you, but in order for you to cross over, Joshua, you have to keep God first. Chapter 2 has an introduction with Rahab, who's a woman who lives in Jericho and who has enough sense when the spies of the Lord show up that there is a crossing over that's going to happen. And she says, I want to be on the right side of this wave of God's move. Rahab essentially is saying, I know the Lord is giving you, the people of God, this land, so I'm not going to sell you out. But when you cross over, take care of me and my folks, because we want to cross over, too. We're crossing over together. Together. Now, the stage is set. The people are ready. And there's not a chaotic rush to move ahead, because often when we're ready to cross over, we just want to rush ahead. But there's a plan. There's a purpose. And yet there's an obstacle. But there is one true God giving direction. The people camped out together before crossing over. They spent days at the Achaia Grove and then they crossed over. But we can pause at this moment. We thank God for transitions and we thank God for crossing over. We thank God for moving us from where we used to be to where we are with the promise of where God is going to take us. But the shout is, if I was preaching, or the exciting part, or the praises, or the thankfulness we should have, is that we're not in this thing alone. Many people listening, we're doing this together. This isn't a simple crossing over of a transition from summer to fall, or from vacation back to vocation, or this is a real transition in our lives, a real change in our activity, a real change in your mindset. Being blessed by God, being elevated, and all the while, you're not doing this by yourself. There's someone somewhere helping you. You're crossing over together. In the Bible, David crossed over from being a shepherd to being a giant slayer to being a king. He didn't do it alone. Jonathan was there. 
David's band of 400 men were there. Even Saul, his jealous king, was present. And like David, you and I have to cross over with friends and foes alike. But we're doing it together. Esther crossed over from being just a pretty face to now the face of liberation for her people. She didn't do it alone. She had Mordecai speaking life to her and challenging her to step up and do what she was called to do. Sometimes, like Esther, you and I need to push or need a push to get going. But when we do, we're crossing over together. Peter had to cross over from fishing from the water to walking on the water. Paul had to cross over from persecuting Christians to being a champion for Christ. But they didn't do these things alone. The disciples were there and Ananias was there. Christ was there. They were crossing over together. I guess what I'm trying to say in the first point is we haven't gotten anywhere by our own strength, without a community, without a family, without a crew, without a friend. And that's why folks get excited when you cross over, when you graduate, when you transition to something else in your life, because they've seen where you come from and they can rejoice with God about where you have been taken. They were with you when there was discord in your house, but now they celebrate that your house is now home in a place of peace. They were with you when you were sick or when you were a bed of affliction, and now they can celebrate the healing of God in your life. They were with you. Your friends and your family and your cohorts were with you. Sometimes we had friends that we were with when we were going against the will of God, trying to test the limits of God's grace and mercy, and now we can celebrate together as God's hand is heavy on us, pushing us to move away from what is bad for us and running toward what's great for us. Ups and downs, ins and outs. We can't be so arrogant as to believe that we did this alone. But with friends and family, crew, brothers and sisters, we're now at a place where we're moving and we're crossing over together. But that part is good. But the main entity or persona that is essential in accompanying us on our journey is God. If we look at the text, the people, were no, people knew they were ready to cross over when they saw the priests moving the ark. Where they knew they were ready to move out from their positions and follow when God's presence was moving in their midst. And since, as the text says, this new move was uncharted territory, the most important persona they need is God. Many of us smile when we thought about who was helping us or who was with us, excuse me, when we crossed over. But to be honest, there are times in this walk when we feel like we're alone. The Bible puts it this way, it gives us this scenario. When mother and father forsake, not if, but when. Or sometimes our actions have caused us to walk alone. Psalm 139, 8 puts it this way. If I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. That doesn't mean God is co-signing our foolishness, but God is always present. It's nice to have friends to cross over with. But if my transition, if my crossing over is going to be successful, God, I need you to go before me. It's nice to celebrate how I won't have a wonderful change come over me in my life as the Hawkins used to sing. But God, I need you with me before anyone else. It's cool to have friends. It's cool to have my day ones with me say less. It's cool to have that type of camaraderie. But to go where God is taking me, to be what God is calling me to be. To go into the type of man or woman or boy and girl that this life requires, then God has to be the main one I'm crossing over with. If we're honest, God, we don't know the way. Go before us. God, this is a new season. Go before us. God, I've never been successful in overcoming the addiction 
or overcoming the adultery or overcoming the pain or overcoming the loss. I've tried different things before, but this time I really want to cross over. This time I really want it to be different. God, I need you to be go before me. Friends are great. Yes, because we're not meant to do this walk alone. But God, I need you to go before me. But then the next point that comes up for us in our Sunday recap is there is a challenge to the crossing. There is a challenge to the crossing. There's an internal challenge and an external challenge. God says to Moses, I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to lift you up in the eyes of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. When we look at the text, God says, I'm not going to do this through you, but through those who are with you. There's a challenge to the crossing. Joshua, I will exalt you in leadership, but unlike Moses, you aren't going to go into the water. You are going to command your folks to go into the water. And because of the command you give and the success that I will provide, they will know that God is with you. Now, Joshua has a resume. He, he survived slavery. He witnessed the place of God in Israel's escape. He saw the Red Sea part in two. He led the troops in the victory over the Amalekites. He went alone with Moses when Moses received the law. He was with Caleb and came back with a report of success and was chosen to come out of the wilderness. And with that resume, it's interesting, Joshua did not have a problem with God's decision to elevate him indirectly, to glorify him indirectly, to show Israel that he was called by God to lead by making a way through the people who are with him. Because if we look at this scene through a lens, a human lens of wanting accolades or self-praise, a lot of us would have a problem seeing elevation that is meant for us going through someone else, even if in the end we would get the glory. It sounds something like this. So God, since I've been faithful, since Moses is dead, since I've walked uprightly before you, I don't want you to do this exaltation using other men. Do it using me. Joshua could have this stance. I want to be the one walking into the Jordan like Moses. I want to be the one spreading out my hands like Moses. I want to have that rare air like Moses. Or if we're bringing up to the present day, I want folks to know I accomplished that. I want folks to know I did that. We even sing some songs in the church. Shine on me, shine on me. Or um, what God has for me is for me. We don't normally sing songs that say I need you to survive where that means that the praise is going to go to somebody else and not us. But God is saying submission for my will or submission to my will and my things that are good for you may result in someone else getting a moment to shine. I want to elevate your ministry, not by you being in the spotlight, but having someone else get bigger or stronger. I want to elevate your marriage, but you won't be in the spotlight. Your spouse will. And the blessing is they will know that you sacrifice for them. I want to elevate your family, but your children will be the ones reaping the benefits of your labor. I want to elevate your friendship, but your friend will be the one receiving the accolades. And you were the one working in the backgrounds, making sure that they were elevated. Can we be, can we come to the place? We can really cross over and not receive the pat on the back. Still be glorified by God, by somebody else getting blessed. Are you ready to be 
that type of friend, that type of family member, that kind of spouse, that kind of girlfriend, that kind of boyfriend, um, that kind of compadre, that kind of coworker that is willing to see someone else shine. You put in the work. God says, I want to do this through you, but they're going to be the ones to do the crossing. It'll come from your mouth. They are going to have the light shine on them. Can you cross over like that? But then there's also an external challenge. For the people of God, where I'm sending you, God is saying there will be external obstacles. I'm sending you to the land of promise. And there are people there that God will drive out, but the people are still there. I'm sending you to the Jordan, but remember this is flood season. And in order for you to cross over, something has to give. Here's a question, God, you promised this to us. But there are people that are still there. You promised this to us. And the waters are still high. God, you promised this to us. But we have to leave the comfort of oppression like we did in Egypt. Now we have to leave and go over in the flood season. Now we have to go over to this land and there are people still there. God, why can't you make it easy? Why can't you make it simplistic? Why the need for the external challenge wrapped up in what you are promising us? God is saying in this text, I need your faith in me to grow as you cross over. I need your devotion to me to be stronger as you cross over. I'm not going to drive those things out before you get there, but I will be the force behind you driving them out so that you will trust me more. I'm not going to part the Jordan, but if you put your foot in the water, if you trust me, if you're obedient to my will, then I will take care of you right where you are. There'll be trials, as the, as the Bible says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I guess God, what God is trying to say in, in this text is don't take your focus off of me. In fact, since this is uncharted territory, instead of focusing on what can go wrong, focus on God. External circumstances says we can't love them. We can't love certain people in the world. But Ephesians 4, 2, 3 says with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Don't take your focus off God. External circumstances say we should be afraid to leave our houses in the day or night. But the word of God says in Joshua 1, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God says, keep your focus on me. External circumstances says we need to fear, we need to worry and be fearful about our current political state. But the word says in Ephesians 6, 12 to 13, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, or that's why we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be, be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. God says, stay focused on me. Crossing over will have its challenges, but he's pressing our faith to grow in him. He's not going to move the challenges that you are crossing over into, but he'll ignite the strength in you to handle the challenges in that place of promise as you cross over. So as I look to close and end our time together again, we're crossing over together. You haven't done it alone. I haven't done it alone. This podcast is nothing without those following. But as we cross over to new seasons, since this is a season of change, the main person we need is the Lord. 
as we cross over, there are going to be internal and external ch challenges. The internal challenges are the wrestling with my own ego is, am I willing to let someone else shine in the crossing over period? Am I willing to be a team player and sacrifice self for the greater good of everyone crossing over? And then the external challenges are, yes, God is sending us to a place of promise. God, God is opening doors for you and for me. But as those doors are open, we're seeing that it's occupied by foreign territories. It's occupied by trouble. It's occupied for th by things that you have to do in order to cross over. I'm, I'm in the process, or we are in the process as a church of looking for properties to move from 6104 Germantown Avenue into a new place. And as we're looking at new places, I have to have a visionary eye that, yes, God is providing an opportunity for us to go to a new building, but there's going to have to be some fixing of, new, of an old building or cleaning up of debris. And I have to trust the Lord when it comes to the vision and trust that God will give me the strength to do what is necessary in that new place. Driving out what needs to be driven out, taking care of what needs to be taken care of. He's not sending us to a place. That is already pre-made. Now, praise the Lord, he may do it. And if he does, all praise and glory. Yes, we'll shout and clap. But yes, I'm smiling right now because I'm hoping for that. But if God indeed sends our church to a place that needs work, then we have to have that kind of mindset. There'll be Gergeshites, there'll be parasites, there'll be AC things that need to be fixed. There'll be a community that needs to be embraced. But he'll give us what we need to handle the external if internally we're trusting him. And perhaps that's where our faith grows. Because when we look back and see what he allowed us to do, we can only say it was but God that it could happen. But the interesting part as we close our time out together is we're crossing over. It's time to step in. Because everything that I talked about still needs the activity of faith with works. Because remember, the text says Joshua lets the people know, God lets the people know through Joshua. If this is going to happen, you have to step into the Jordan. Prior to the Jordan, there was the Red Sea. And we all know um, the image of Moses stretching out his hands with the rod in one hand and the Red Sea parting. This is different. God is almost saying, I've done that for you before. And part of your faith being stretched this time is stepping in. They had to step in to the Reds, to happen, step into the Jordan. And as they stepped into the Jordan, Jordan spread apart. And to give a little context for it, this was harvest season. So the water was muddy and swollen and turbid. The stream was far too formidable and rapid for the most adventurous persons to even attempt to bathe. So they still had to step in. They were bearing with them. The priests were not just bearing their own girth, but they are carrying the sacred ark. So they're carrying the promises of God with them. Or if it's you, you're carrying the responsibility of your life and your family or your life and your dreams and your life and maybe the job or your life and maybe something else. You're, it's not just you're carrying you. You're carrying some other weight with you. But God is still saying you got to you got to step in. Here's the hard part about faith. Hard part about following the Lord. God is not promising that the waters will be clear and pristine. God is not promising that this will be a place that will not be rough and choppy. Nowhere in the text is this the right time to cross 
or even put your body in the danger without the danger showing up being stepped away or swept away. But all we have to do is remember the promise of the Lord that when you step in, the water will be cut off. When you step in, the raging tempest will be stopped. Some of us are at the place of stepping and haven't stepped. I can testify to that in different areas of my life. We give all kinds of excuses. The water is too rough. I can't step in. I have too many responsibilities. I can't step in. I'm carrying this ministry on my back. I can't step in. It may cost me my life. I can't step in. How do I transition from full-time working to going full-time in ministry? I can't step in. I have a wife and two children that are depending on me. I can't step in. I guess this message is for me as well as everyone listening. If you want to cross over, if you want to change the trajectory of your life, if you really want to reap the promises of God, you can't do that on the shore. You can't do that on the banks of the river. You can't do that on the sidelines. You have to step in. If I close this out, I need to close it out with Christ. Jesus said, I'm crossing over and I'm taking those who want to be saved with me. Jesus said, I'm crossing over, and Christ reminds us that he is the way, the truth, and the light. Jesus crossed over, bringing with him the sick and the blind, the possessed. And once those things were rectified, he pointed them in the direction of salvation. There were internal challenges. In the garden, he had to say, let the cup pass. In the garden, he knew the external reality of the cross and the betrayal and the derision that he did not want to face. But with the words, nevertheless, not my will, but thou will be done. He got up and said, I have to step in. He stepped into the crucifixion because souls are at stake. He stepped into Calvary because lives were in the balance. He stepped into the death, to death and the grave to take on sins and take them away. And like the waters of the Jordan, the waters of defeat were held back. And now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father with an invitation for you and I. It's time, to, it's time to cross over. We accept Christ as your Savior. It's time to cross over. Will you stop living a life that is faithless and transition to one that is faith-filled? It's time to cross over. And I know that the river and the external circumstances make things look impossible. But with God, all things are possible and remember, you're not in this alone. Come to God. You have friends. You have those who are listening even right now. And cross over together. This is the end of our time for the Sunday recap. Under the umbrella of the sermonic series, A Season of Change, Joshua 3. Verses 1 to 17, the title is Crossing Over. I pray that this was a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. Whenever you're listening, remember you can listen to it as you're driving. Um, I apologize for any technical things that happened while we were um, sharing this time together. We'll make sure that's cleaned up for the next podcast. Um, but thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. And I'll be back next week um, with another installment of the Sunday Recap another installment of a season of change. God bless you. God keep you. And take the chance to cross over.